Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're going to jump straight into the word, Acts 20, Acts 20, 17, reading about the Apostle Paul. It reads like this. It says, now from Maltus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you. I love that. Paul could have said, you guys have heard the messages that I've preached. Paul could have said, you've heard the things that I've said, but Paul understood the impact of a life lived for Jesus. Uh, you know, I don't think people choose not to believe in God because of a lack of information today. We live in the age of information. I just think there's a lack of Christians passionately living out their relationship with Jesus, being an example of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. It was Mother Teresa that said, preach the gospel everywhere you can. And if you have to, use your words. In other words, the life you live is the message in itself. I'm, I'm young enough to, I'm on Instagram and Facebook a lot. I see a lot of people having scripture verses in their Instagram bio, bio, bio in the bio, but on their feed, there's a little disconnect. There's a little disconnect from what you're saying and what you're posting, from what you say you believe in the life that you live. Paul's taking a moment to say, no, 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 no. You didn't just hear the words I speak. You saw the life that I've lived, how I've lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears in trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Can I tell you how fortunate we are as a church to have a church that stands on God's truth, that doesn't preach half the word, that doesn't pick and choose what isn't gonna get us canceled in today's culture? No, no, we're preaching the Bible from cover to cover. That's good news this morning. That's what the apostle Paul's saying. He said, you saw how I lived and you saw what I preached. I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything and teaching to you in public from house to house, prophesying and testifying to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. This morning, I wanna talk to you from this thought. I'm not okay. I am not okay. February 20 of 2020, my wife and I moved back from Southern California. If you don't know our story, uh, we had difficulty having children. We went on a journey of having multiple miscarriages from 2018 to 2019. and, And then in 2020, we really felt led to come back home. And it was such a weird season. In a lot of ways, it kind of felt like we were restarting from the ground up, kind of felt like we were building something so cool in California for four years and had friends and we came back and it was just, it was a weird season. You know, whenever, if you've been on that journey of trying to have children, you know the toll it takes on you, which then of course takes a toll on your marriage and it's just, it was tough. And what I didn't realize then, but I do realize now looking back is when we hit the ground, man, we just hit the ground running. Like, as soon as he moved here, just boom. I was doing ministry right away. She was working. We were just 100 miles an hour, go, go, go. And when we really should have taken a season 
to fix what was broken, we just decided to kind of bury it. Because who actually has time to fix what's broken? I'll never forget uh, one afternoon I was eating lunch at a restaurant and a guy I had not seen in years came up to me and in this season of life that I was in, he said, hey, uh, how you doing? And you know, when people ask you that question, you never actually tell them how you're doing. So I told him, man, I'm, I'm doing great, doing awesome. Life's great, it's phenomenal, man. I'm, I'm just doing amazing. So okay, cool. I got my food, I went and sat down. And as I'm eating, I see him coming out towards me again. And he came up to me and he said, hey man, I just, I hate to be this guy, but I just, I gotta follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, I just feel like I gotta ask you again, how are you really doing? And the only way I can describe it is it's like, you ever seen those little cartoons where he's like running 100 miles an hour and there's all this junk behind him and he stops and then everything just catches him? That was me in that moment. And out of like the depth of my soul, like I don't even know where these words came from, I just, I just literally said, I, I'm not okay. For the next hour to hour and a half, I just begin to pour my heart out, just the disappointment, just the frustration, you know, the loss of that, and it makes you cynical towards your relationship with God, and we're moving home, and we don't have friends, and we're restarting, and it just, it, it was a God conversation. I'm convinced that one day when we go to heaven, we'll see all the moments where God sent angels along our way, and all these significant milestone moments that we thought were just a coincidence, but really it was a God incident. And I remember uh, leaving that conversation, grateful, I needed that, but when I got in my car, I I just stopped, I didn't turn on the radio, I just sat in my truck and I realized something. I had gotten so busy doing ministry that it became almost near impossible for me to receive ministry. That I had gotten so busy making sure everyone else's needs were tended to that it literally took someone hijacking my lunch for me to realize that I need to tend to my needs. And this morning, I know that there are people here that find themselves in that season of life. Moms, you are wearing the mom hat and the wife hat, and you're making sure your home's good, and you're running from morning till night, doing everything you can to make sure everything's just right. And the thought of actually slowing down to check on the health of your soul seems laughable. Men, you're wearing the dad hat and the husband hat and the provider hat and you're trying to make sure everything's good and you're trying to balance all of these plates that the thought of actually having a healthy rhythm to where you can slow down and check on you is kind of impossible. We are always on the go. We're going from place to place. We're always in such a fast pace. We're always in a hurry. I love what John Mark Comer says about this pace of life I'm talking about. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Both sin and busyness have the same effect. They both cut off your connection to God, to other people, and to your own soul. To your own soul. My concern for us this morning is not that we see mass amounts of people abandon their faith. It's that we become so distracted that we settle for a mediocre version of our faith. So this morning, if we could just slow down for a moment, I wanna ask you the question, how are you really doing? I got good news for you this morning. I'm not just gonna 
give you the problem. There's a solution. I believe that Paul models for us what we're called to do when we find ourselves in seasons where if we can be honest, we can say there are parts and pieces of us that are really not okay. Now, this story is in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Uh, it, it is, you know, it starts off, you see Jesus. Now, this is King Jesus. This is post-resurrection. So this is the Jesus that's defeated death, hell, and the grave, King Jesus. He's with his disciples, and he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascends into heaven, and you see the disciples come together in the upper room, and when they come together in the upper room, they begin to pray, and then Acts 2-4 happens. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So now we see the disciples filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and man, they are spreading the gospel. Now, if you don't know this this morning, that word gospel just means good news. So the good news that we have this morning is if you came in here dealing with addiction, you don't have to leave dealing with addiction. The good news that we have is if you came in here dealing with hurts, habits, and hangups, you actually have healing that's available to you because of this good news. So for the first time in history, this good news about King Jesus is being spread and miracles are happening left and right. People are getting saved, blind eyes being opened, deaf ears hearing. It is the birth of the early church. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. And then Acts 9 happens. Acts 9 kind of changed everything because in Acts 9, a guy named Paul gives his life to the Lord. Now, it's important to know, outside of Jesus, Paul is the most important figure in all of Christianity. Paul wrote 14 books of the Bible. He wrote four from a prison cell. Like Paul wrote Philippians 4.13 behind bars. You know Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible tells us this story. One time Paul was preaching and these Jews didn't like what he was saying. So they gathered stones and murdered him. At least they thought they killed him. They walked off. The Bible said Paul pops up, dusts himself off and keeps preaching. Paul was a bad man. Like Paul was that guy. Paul is a hero in the faith. He's a warrior for Christ. He seems unfazed and unbothered by anything. But in Acts 20, 19, something changes. Paul becomes vulnerable in a way that he previously has not. Look what he says here. Verse 19. He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. With tears and trials. Wow. For the first time, Paul does something that allows me to see me and Paul. What Paul is communicating is just because God delivered me from seasons of persecution doesn't mean that I still don't have wounds from those seasons of persecution. That just because I am physically no longer inside of a prison cell, it does not mean that emotionally there are parts and pieces of me that still do not feel free. And with brothers in Christ, Paul begins to remove the bandage. Because before something can be operated on, it must first be opened. So this morning, I want to remove the bandage, if we can, and look into the text where Paul, I believe, gives us three things to do when we can be honest and say, maybe I'm not as okay as I thought I was. The first thing that I believe we're called to do is have the right people. Come on, say the right people. 
The Bible says in Acts 20, 17, in the story we're reading, that Paul sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church. So the very first thing Paul did was reach out to godly people. I don't know if you know this, but you need godly people in your life. So when Pastor Chris was talking about small groups launching next week, what a great opportunity for those of you that say, Pastor, like, I don't really have godly friends. Well, you can next week. Sign up for small groups. Don't do life alone. The very first thing, when you see the very first thing Paul did is he didn't just bleed on anyone. Brother had some godly people in his life. Now, I wrote down two foundations of a friend. Let these be two non-negotiables that the people in your circle, the people that are the leading voices in your life, they gotta have these. The first is unshakable character. Unshakable character. I love 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be misled Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So like you can be raised in the right house, you can have the right values, the right foundation, the right upbringing, but if you surround yourself with people that are living a life contrary to the word of God, the Bible actually tells us that bad company overrides good character. Bad company trumps good character. Do not be misled. Every relationship in your life is influencing or impacting your life in a way. Let me say it this way. There's no such thing as a neutral friendship. Okay, let me explain to you what that means. Uh, Before I moved to California, I was living a wild lifestyle. So I was smoking, drinking, partying, all that. So when I moved back home, I found myself in a place to where I was spending time with some of these people, but now I wasn't doing it, right? So... They're drinking, but I'm not drinking. But it's like, it's not really affecting me. And like, I know they have a bad marriage, but like my marriage is good and like, it's not really affecting me. No, 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 no. Every relationship in your life is either pushing you forward or pulling you backwards. There's no neutral. There's no such thing as a neutral relationship. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. That's actually good news. That means if you need wisdom this morning, get around wise people. What does the second part say? For a companion of fools suffers harm. Have you ever considered that the reason your life is always in a mess is because your friends are fools? A couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a young adult and she was just venting to me just about life and she just, her best friend and just, I just can't believe she did this and she did this and she said this statement. She said, you don't understand Pastor Joseph, like she's a liar. And I told her, I said, like, maybe the issue is not that your friend is a liar. Maybe the issue is that you've labeled a liar a friend. We've got to do better at defining our friendships and our relationships. But Pastor Joseph, like, we're Christians. Like, we're called to be friends with everybody. No, no, no. That's not what the Apostle Paul says. Look here, Romans 13, 8. He says, we owe no man anything but to love one another. I want you to hear this. We owe people love. We do not owe people access. Who different things? So I can love you. I can serve you. I can speak life over you. I will pray with you. But that does not mean I'm allowing you to have access to the most personal parts of my life where you are a leading voice in my life influencing the direction I'm going. The first thing I got to have is unshakable character. 
Second thing they gotta have is unbridled honesty. Now, unbridled just means unrestrained. That means unfiltered. Now, I know Cajuns are naturally unfiltered, so we don't have a problem with that down here. We gotta have some unrestrained honesty. I love Proverbs 27, six. It says, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. An authentic friend would rather be willing to hurt my feelings than see me hurt my life. A real friend would rather speak the truth and hurt my feelings than stay silent and watch me hurt my life. If I'm your friend, me and you, if we become friends, there will be moments where me loving you will result in you not liking me. And I'm okay with that because I've had enough friendships to where just like Pastor Randy did with me, I had to sit down with them and pull more out of them than they saw themselves. And I had to correct them and it was uncomfortable. And I had to ask the uncomfortable conversations, y'all, in the young adult culture that we live in. I gotta have conversations like, just because you've been living together with five years for five years and have two kids doesn't mean that you can still have sex before marriage. You need to get married. You're living in sin. Hey, the way you treat your wife, that's not okay. I'm asking you a question. Do you think that's a comfortable conversation for me to have? No. Do you think it's an enjoyable conversation for them to hear? No. But that's why the Bible says the wounds of a friend. The wounds. Let me ask you something. Real question. When is the last time that your friend had an uncomfortable conversation with you? Because if they have not, maybe you don't have friends, maybe you have followers. We need friends and we need people who will speak truth. Now I want you to see this. The word truth points to reality. So a biblical friend brings me out of fantasy and into reality. Uh, two months ago, you know, I, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here at our Lafayette campus. Two months ago, we were having our one of our youth services we have every Sunday night here at 6 p.m. If you have a young person, we have an amazing student ministry here, freshman to high school, I mean, freshman to senior, it's phenomenal. And I remember this 14-year-old girl, she came up to me and she said, Pastor Joseph, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, what's going on? She said, I think I just met the one. <laughs> I'm like, the one what? Like, what, are you, what, one, one, what, what are you talking about? She said, no, I'm serious. Like, God just spoke to me. I think I just met the one. I'm like, okay, where is he? So points the guy out to me. I'm like, all right, listen, you just enjoy service tonight. You woke worry about you and Jesus. That, let's make that your priority tonight. Okay, I go do my good youth pastor, you know, undercover research. After service, her and I talk. I said, well, how you feeling? She said, I just, I'm telling you, like he was worshiping, like he's at church, like I just know he's the one. Okay, fantasy, reality. He's talking to three other girls right now. Okay, <laughs> fantasy. Pastor, I, like, I like coming to church, but like, I'm not about to sit around in a circle with five dudes in a small group and like talk about Jesus. Like that's just not happening. Reality, you are the company you keep. And if you are not intentional with surrounding yourself with faith-filled people, then you will end up with a faithless life. That's reality. The wounds of a friend, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. The very first thing Paul did, the Bible says he gathered the right people. Come on, say the right people. The second thing Paul had is the right posture. Look here, Acts 20, 18 through 19. 
He said, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord, serving the Lord. Let me tell you something. There's only one posture in the kingdom and it's servanthood. One of the reasons that the Jews were frustrated with Jesus is because they thought the savior was gonna come riding on a horse, wearing armor, ready to conquer Rome. And instead he came on a donkey, washing the feet of his disciples, radically loving and serving people. Can I tell you what we're called to do as Christians? Serve people. People that have a different political affiliation than you, serve them. People that are in a different community that live a different lifestyle than you, serve them. Because you know what you do when you serve? You're sowing seed. Do you know that all you're called to do is be a seed sower? How we teach our high schoolers this. Well, I, like, I don't know like, how to tell my friends about Jesus. It's okay, just serve them. Because when you do that, you sow a seed. We're, our responsibility is to be seed sowers. God's his outcome. God's pretty good at his job. And we'll just be faithful to do ours. We just gotta serve. Um, I remember a couple of weeks ago, vulnerable moment. Uh, I was having a conversation with my dad and went over to his house and we were just talking about ministry and just future and dreaming. And about 45 minutes into the conversation, I realized like I'd been talking for 40 and he'd been talking for five which is not a good ratio. Come on, how many of y'all know some people that just suck the air out of a room in a conversation? Okay, if you don't know those people, make no mistake, you are that person. <laughs> just saying, let's be real here. And I realized like 40 minutes in, I'm like, okay, this is not good. I don't know what I said, but usually he talks 40, I talk five. This is not, it's not good. I got in the car, my, me and my wife were driving home and I said, I, I don't know what I said, but I think I said something that bothered him. Sure enough, three days later, I get a text. Hey, why don't you come to the house? It's a never a good text message. <laughs> so I go to the house. My dad said, hey, I, I want you to know something. When we talked the other day, the conversation we had bothered me. I said, well, well why? He said, because I heard you say me, my, me, and I more in 40 minutes than I have heard you say in the last five years. Your posture's off. So he told me, your posture's off. You know what the truth is? My posture was not off. My posture was off. You know what I've realized? The first thing that changes when someone's not okay? Their posture. Come on, some of y'all boudet and sulk in a corner just begging for someone to come and check on you. You know who you are. That aggravates the devil out of me, but you know who you are. And then some of y'all are like me to where it's like, if I'm not okay, I have to control everything. And it's ironic because usually when I'm not okay, it was self-inflicted. It means I did something stupid. So then I, now I gotta try to fix it. And if I call this person to tell this and then they'll call him and I can fix it. And I just try to I have to control everything. I love what Dr. Darius Daniel says about control. He says, control is an illusion. Like you can drive as carefully as you can, but you cannot control the person driving next to you. You can place the best bid on a house that you can, but you cannot control the bid being accepted. Control belongs to one person and his name is God. And every time I try to control, I end up bearing God's size weight. That is weight that you and I were never meant to carry. That's why I love Psalms 55, 22. You can make this a life verse, it is mine. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. So every time I feel heavy, every time I feel overwhelmed, it's always a sign that I'm carrying something God has called me to cast. Let me ask you a question this morning. How's your posture? 
How's your posture? Here's what I've learned as a parent. When I'm not okay, serving and blessing others actually blesses me. Have you noticed this? Before I had children, it was like I wanted the gifts and like that's when I was happy. Now I have a son and I'm like that dad with the camera like this and I'm just giving him gifts just because it brings joy to my heart, serving and blessing him. I love what Winston Churchill says about blessing others. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Serving and giving others. Are you not okay this morning? Can I encourage you when you leave here? Go bless somebody. Go do something for someone who can't do anything for you. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. The first thing the apostle Paul did is he surrounded himself with the right people. The second thing he had was the right posture. And the last thing he had that we see in this story is the right perspective. Look here in Acts 20. He says, and now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. Let me translate. When life gets really, really hard, me and God get really, really close. I'm headed to Jerusalem, and to be honest, I don't even know why I'm going. I mean, I can tell you the pattern of my life. Every time I speak for God, I get beaten, thrown into prisons. But there's also another part of this. The Holy Spirit speaks to me every time. God uses me in a significant way. What is that called? Perspective. Um, I don't know how many of you know my story, but I'm a PK, which means pastor's kid. So much of my life looked like this. You know, we had midweek services, Thursday night worship rehearsal, Friday night healing seminars, Saturday night small group, Sunday five services. I mean, this is my life. You know, the growing up in church experience, you get saved eight times, baptized nine times, and on the ninth time, they hold you down so long that you think you see Jesus. <laughs> and if you grew up in church, you know that's the God honest truth. And, uh, you know, I really never had a season in my life to where I really felt like I'm not okay. I come from a great family. My mom and dad, faithful to each other, love each other, have modeled what it looks like to live a godly marriage, an amazing uh, set of brothers and sister. I mean, I've, I've never really had a season where I was really not okay. And then September 11, 2015, my whole world changed. Started off as like a day like any other. Me and my brother Wesley, we were working at a furniture store together and we clocked out. And I went to go to walk-ons with one of my buddies and he went to a friend's house. When we were done eating, we walked out of the restaurant and uh, I'll never forget there was just this big crowd just in the middle of the road. And we knew something bad had happened, we just didn't know what, so we walked up and got closer. And I'll never forget a guy turning around saying, he's dead. Kind of walked closer, the crowd split. And when the crowd split, I saw my 21-year-old brother laying in the middle of the street. He got hit on his motorcycle and died on impact. And I will never forget being so disappointed with God. Like this was way, way worse than angry. This was more than just frustrated. Like I was disappointed. How can a good, kind, heavenly father allow so much hurt, pain, and suffering? This doesn't make sense with the God working all things together. It was too much of a disconnect for me. I was, I was done. This started one of the darkest years of my life. 
uh, for the next year, I completely stopped coming to church, completely disconnected from everyone in the faith community. I wanted nothing to do with God. Turned to substance abuse and started drinking heavily, taking pills, hopping from relationship to relationship. It was, it was, it was dark. About a year into this process, I, uh, I get a text one Wednesday morning from a 760 number, which is a California number. And the text said, hey, you don't know me, but my name's Obed Martinez, and I'm, I'm preaching at your dad's church. I think you should come hear my message tonight. I don't know why I showed up, but I did. And I remember sitting on the second row, and he preached this message that I will never forget, called You Can Still Get There on Broken Pieces. And for the first time in my life, I had this revelation that me pursuing what God had for my life didn't require me having it all together. It didn't require me to be good enough and then come to him. It didn't even require me to understand why everything happened that had happened. It only required one thing. Trust me. Can you just trust me? That night I just broke. I remember coming to the altar and I remember him praying for me. And at 25 years old, I, I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. I was done with the way I was living. I was so done. The next day he texted me and he said, hey, let's go grab coffee. We went and met up and he said, listen, I, I, I think you need to get out of here. I don't think this place is good for you right now. I think you need a fresh start. And uh, two weeks later, I was on a plane and moved to California. And I can honestly say, when I left, I never looked back. And you know, it's taken me seven years to have the right perspective on what happened with my story. I told this story a handful of times and normally when I do, I refer to it as a disaster. But now I call it divine. You know why? Because if I never would have been that broken, I would have never been that surrendered. And had I never been that surrendered, I would have never pursued the call of God in my life. And had I never pursued the call of God in my life, I would have never had my wife and my son who's named after my brother. And had it never happened, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. So now with heaven's perspective, I can look back on an event that was so painful for so many and say it's been so purposeful for me. I don't know the areas in your life where you're not okay in. Maybe it's a marriage thing. Maybe your story is like my wife and I's and it's been a difficulty with children thing. Maybe it's you and God are not good right now. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. God is trying to give you heaven's perspective. Because when you have heaven's perspective, pain serves a purpose. And there's no pain wasted. There's no thing worse than wasted pain. There's nothing worse than wasted pain. Nothing worse than wasted pain. This morning, God's trying to give you heaven's perspective. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, if I can be honest, uh, I've not been okay. I've just been piecing it together. 
I've been trying to make it. But if I can be honest, I, I, I'm really not okay. Marriage has been tough. Life has been tough. I feel like I just can't catch a break. I feel like it's been thing after thing. I, I'm not okay. If that's you on the count of three, it's just you and me looking, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand all across this place. I see you hands raised all over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, you put your hands down. Father, this morning we surrender the areas in our life that are hurt and we give them to the healer because we know there's only one person that makes broken things beautiful and it's you. Father, we surrender the disappointed areas of our life. We surrender the hurting areas of our life. We surrender the areas to where we were doing everything we thought we were supposed to and the ending didn't happen the way we thought it would. Father, we surrender the disappointment. We give you the broken areas of our heart. God, I pray right now that you come and you heal these hearts. That you come and you not only restore what's been taken, but you give them double. Father, I pray that you give them the blessing that you gave Job. For when everything was taken, you didn't just give him what he had, but you gave him so much more. Father, we thank you that you're healing, you're healing, you're healing restoring hope. People that have been so tired, God's given you strength to run the race again. People that gave up on joy, you haven't had peace, you've been dealing with anxiety, you've been dealing with depression, fresh hope is coming right now. Fresh joy, fresh strength, fresh strength. You're filling up, it's overflow. And a second group that's here, that's saying, Pastor, I hear you talking about God. But if I can be honest, I don't have a relationship with him. But I do know this, I cannot continue doing life the way I've been doing it. I can't just be a casual Christian. I can't just show up and check it off my list. No, no, no. I'm ready to be a passionate Jesus follower. I want a relationship with Jesus. If you want to surrender your life to the person who gave his life for you, on the count of three, if you just raise your hand. One, two, three. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Hands raised all over this place. Yeah. Church family, would you pray this prayer together with those that just made that decision? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you were the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is not my home. Amen. 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 Can you put your hands together with those that made that decision?